The beginning of written adventure stories comes from Greece, most famous perhaps among its poems and tales, Homer's The Odyssey. The story of Odysseus is one of the hero's great return, or nostos. In the early months of 2004, Matt Parker was preparing for his nostos, not to his home, but back to the trail that called him. His second riding season on the American Discovery Trail. To return to the the journey was difficult in some ways and, and really welcomed in others. This was the year he planned to complete the journey, starting in Moab, Utah, and riding through to the shore of the Atlantic Ocean in Delaware. I knew that I wasn't going to be happy until I'd accomplished what I set out to accomplish. But again, you know, leaving the 21st century and returning to the 1800s, you know, in some sense, is not an easy process. Well, and you, and you also did not have, like, the luxury of ignorance. <laughs> I did, yeah, I knew what I was getting myself back into. Yeah. I certainly knew what I was getting myself back into. And part of me was was like, well, a lot of that wasn't very fun, Matt. This young man knew the coming year would be difficult, but he could not anticipate the slings and arrows he would take before he even hit the trail. This is Ride of Passage. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Chapter 8, Nostos Algos. In February of 2004, Matt left his parents' home in Ann Arbor for Ole Lindgren's ranch in Anamone, Utah. Smokey had been rehomed in another town. Danny the mule had overwintered at Ole's ranch, but Matt would still need another horse. I drove back to Anamone, and when I got back, I was effectively without a without a mount. Like I didn't know what horse I was going to be taking, um, but I knew that this period of time, which I figured was going to be at least a month, maybe two living at Ole's ranch, trying to figure out what the best animal was going to be to sort of set myself up for success. Um, and and I, I would say that it did end up working out in the end. It definitely made me a better equestrian, a better, you know, I guess a better cartographer, a better tracker. It, it made me more able to exist in that environment. But the horse that I first started out thinking I was going to ride did not did not work out in spectacular fashion. Oli had this amazing candy store of different animals to choose from, effectively. Like, And I felt like there was a lot of opportunity to sort of pick the right animal now or even the right type of animal and work toward that with him. And one of the horses he had was this young... Arabian stallion named Achilles. Because he was completely black. Here's horse trainer Oli Lindgren. Except for one little white knock on his heel. So that's why his name was was Achilles. In Greek myth, the warrior Achilles is dipped into the river Styx by his heel, rendering his body invincible, except for that one part by which he was dipped, the Achilles heel. Achilles had been bred by Oli to be the perfect Arabian horse, 
fine-tuned for endurance and speed. Arabian horses are considered to be strong-willed, incredibly smart, wily, a temperament not for the faint of heart. Many horse people don't mess with them, but endurance riders covet them. Oli considered Achilles' parents perfect examples of the breed, the type of horse that he would ride on a long trail. You could not formulate a better horse for 100 miles. Um, the problem was we had literally poured TNT onto dynamite, mixed it together, saying, hey, this is probably a better explosive. Achilles was very green, but his lineage was amazing. And he was gorgeous. I mean, he was short-backed, a, a perfect crest, pole, head, hip. And Achilles was like a Ferrari. And I just saw so much promise in him that I was thinking, man, this, this would be amazing. It's, it's, like, it's like somebody, you know, handing you the keys to a supercar. And we worked together for a couple weeks, and he was, you know, real green. You know, I was in the round pen with him for hours and hours a day working with him, getting bucked off, you know, like just lots and lots of work. And it's a process. I mean, it's, it, it takes a while to get what some might call like a bomb-proof horse, you know, a horse that really is able to deal with surprises and noises and, you know, all sorts of things that, that happen on, on the trail. So getting them used to that and like habituation or habituated to that, that type of uncertainty and those, those cur you know, curveballs that get thrown at them is key to having like a, a safer experience on, on a journey like this. But it usually takes a lot of time. So at this point, my father had come back to, he'd come out to Oli's because I was thinking, well, all right, I will, um, we'll get fairly ready to get going here. And my dad had come out and he wanted to help see me off. Matt and his dad discussed the trail ahead while Matt and Oli discussed horses. Matt spent as much time as he could with Achilles, new training and new tack, getting Achilles as prepared as possible for something that this horse had never experienced. And one day, Matt saddled the stallion for a solo ride. This would be a test run behind Oli's property. When I was on this shelf road, kind of up in the hills behind Oli's place. It was a few miles from his place. Back and back deeper in the canyon. Something happened and it spooked Achilles and the he he shied to one side. I remember he shied to one side and then sort of gave like a little jump and he just lost it. I seem to recall like a rattlesnake, but like striking near him, which sounds crazy that you don't recall that exactly, but it all happened very quickly because he shied very quickly. And I looked down and I was thinking, did I hear a rattle or something? And then once he sort of gave this little jump, it start like the saddle itself startled him enough that he just started losing it. And he started bucking like crazy. Then he went into like a full mental meltdown and started galloping like wildly. And he ran up against the side of a shelf road and he started running up against, like sort of grinding up against the side of the shelf road. And I'm trying 
you know, my best to try and get him, you know, back onto the road while not getting bucked off. And this is a rough, like two track, like rocky pitted road. And while he's riding, he's wedging this, the stirrup onto my foot. So my left leg is stuck in the stirrup. And there was this little, I think it was a hemlock tree sticking out of the side of the, of the earthen berm. And it caught me in the chest and peeled me off the back of the saddle. But my foot was stuck. So then I got dragged down the road. And the I don't recall how long I got dragged down the road. My boot came off. The only thing I really remember of it was the impact on the ground. Like I remember hitting the ground and there was a, a rock that was embedded like in the ground, kind of like you know an iceberg. And I remember hitting that squarely in the middle of my back. And after that, I don't remember much. So I was knocked out, and when I came to, I was, you know, kind of all alone out there. And I got up, and I was very, I was really bloody. Like, my, I still have the shirt. Um, the elbows were torn completely, and my, I, I was, you know, from, from about the middle of my forearm down past my elbows, and the underside here was just just shredded. My back felt really weird. Like it felt um, metallic. It's like if you if you chew on a piece of tin foil. But I had this funny metallic feel in my back, hmm. like like a like a nine volt battery. You know, and I was yeah. very achy. Obviously, I was in like you know I was probably in some degree of shock. And I walked back, and I remember. While I was walking back, there was this couple that was camping back there because there's this there's like a little campsite and they had seen Achilles and I ride by of this campsite. And then at some point later, they just saw the horse go galloping by, but not me on it. In the opposite direction. Back toward back, towards back toward, Yeah, back toward Oli's. <laughs> yeah. You know, sure enough, like I see Achilles coming back into the yard and he's got a boot jammed in his stirrup. And I was like, oh, you know, in the West, anytime you see a horse come home without a rider, you have to assume the worst because you might have to run really fast to find out what's going on. I remember seeing my dad way off in the distance, and I could just see his white hat sort of bobbing over the mesquite and the sagebrush, you know, I could just sort of see, and he was he was sort of walking on some parallel road across the valley back toward Oli's. So I started yelling for him, and they were holding, you know, sort of holding me up with, you know, uh, um, by each arm. And he heard me, and I'll never forget, like, seeing his hat off in the distance and seeing his head, like, turn toward me, this white hat, like, turn toward me, and then start coming, like, faster and faster and faster. And then when he got me, I just like, like collapsed, you know, I just, I just like fell into his arms.
uh, I hopped on a horse and took off up the canyon and just about missed him, actually. And I see his elbows are just torn up. His knees are torn up. He, he, I, he'd got smashed. And I'm sure the horse just imploded and he didn't have a chance. And then when we were into convalescent mode. Ole Lindgren and Bill Parker helped load Matt into the camping couple's truck. They took the bloodied boy back to Ole's house. When I got back there, Kenda, Ole's wife, took me inside and started doctoring me up and stuff. And she had some hydrogen peroxide. And she she was like, okay, I need to, like, clean out and disinfect, like, your arms. When she poured that on my elbows, the pain was so bad I fainted. It felt like battery acid. Um, and I just I fainted. I was just like, that was it. And when I woke up... I was laying down on their couch, and she had wrapped up my arms. And I got up, you know, kind of on wobbly legs and went out there to try and, you know, see what had happened and stuff like that. And I got out to the round pen, and Achilles, he was tied up next to the round pen, still had the saddle on. And I remember walking up to him, and he was looking at me, and he was just like, he didn't look very happy with me and I remember looking at the saddle and I came up next to him and I looked at the left stirrup you know just to see like I knew that my leg had gotten stuck in that thing and I was looking at it to figure out like what what's going on and I remember lifting the stirrup up you know maybe eight inches just to sort of inspect it and then when I let it swing down Achilles was looking at me out of the corner of his eyes and and in the blink of an eye he pivoted off of his two front feet and kicked me in the chest with both rear feet with both barrels and the next you know several days I had two perfect inverted uh, horseshoe bruises on each peck perfectly symmetrical, perfectly in the middle of my chest. He could have killed you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he shot me like my dad saw it. Like, he kicked me in the chest and shot me, like, parallel to the earth, like, seven or eight feet. Oh, my God, you know, that I just, hurts it just, so it just, it just, like, launched me. And this was after the dragging and... And all this stuff, and then he kicks me in the chest and just lays me out, like, completely. Like, just to add insult to injury or, like, the coup de grace, you know, he's just like, screw you, man, you know. And at that point, I I remember I picked myself up off the ground, and my dad, you know, like, I'm sure trying to do something, offer some, <laughs> you know, consolation to me or something like that. And I just, you know, sort of, you know, pushing him aside or whatever. And I remember walking from the round pen across this yard that that Oli had, even across the creek in the backyard, to like the deepest part of the woods that I could find. And there was this log, like sitting on the ground. And I just sat there and just cried for like, I don't even know how long. Like I just just sat there, like I like completely defeated. I didn't know that I'd broken my back until months later. In Greek myth, there is a word for pain personified. Algos. Algia in the plural. 
You can find the word now used as a suffix in medicine. Algia, as in myalgia, muscular pain. Or dorsalgia, back pain. When he fell off of Achilles in the canyon against a rock embedded in the hard-packed earth, Matt snapped two spinous processes, the finger-like nubs that extend outward from each vertebra of the backbone. So they were left like at this 45-degree angle, sort of floating there. And that is the, like that whole thing, like was was one of two, I guess, long-term injuries that were difficult to overcome on the trip. And I did like by the you know so so in the arc of it, I I'll just say it, I was on a heavy amount of painkillers for that second riding season and I don't see it's part of the journey and I figure like I'm not doing myself or or the listeners or even our current world like any services by not being completely honest about it Matt had access to painkillers for a couple of reasons the first was because of his prescription from residual pain that he experienced due to scar tissue in his hip from a hernia surgery a few years earlier The second was because the medical opioid crisis wasn't yet recognized in America. Prescriptions were quickly written and filled for any pain. After the first riding season, I had gone to a pain specialist here in Ann Arbor, and they had given me like a a can of Vicodin that was like the size of a tennis ball can. I'll never forget it. I mean, it was just mass. It was literally, it it felt like the size of a tennis ball can. And so I had a bunch of that with me. And this is really before there was much understanding of the long-term impacts of narcotics. None none whatsoever. The medical-grade narcotics. Yeah, Yeah, it it felt like, you know, there was very little barrier to entry. I would say that. Like, so I went, I was was under the care of a pain specialist from that winter before going back to Ole's. And so at any rate, I had a bunch of Vicodin with me. So all I did was just keep taking more. Like, I just, you know, in order to function. So... The short answer is like how you know how do you go for six months of riding? And I would wrap my like I would wrap my back like I you know I had like heating pads and like I would wrap myself up, but it wasn't one of those things where I I just I went in and like oh, I need to get X rays. Like I was in the middle of nowhere at Oli's place. I had the the mission ahead of me. I I wasn't bleeding anymore. My wounds on the outside had started to heal, and I had you know like painkillers that were at the very least, helping me feel better and masking what was a, a pretty bad injury to my back and then a, then the ongoing issue with my hip. So I was like, eh, whatever. Like, I just kept on going. And I was a lot younger. Yeah, I about to say, and you had youth. <laughs> I had a lot of youth still. I, I had a lot of youth in the tank. And I was, you know, I was 24. So, yeah, that's, that's how I kept on going um, on the trip for that riding season. And that, you know, that it was a lot to overcome at the very beginning of the trip. But for all of those obstacles, I was unable to complete the rest of the trip from from where I left off in eastern Utah all the way to the East Coast. Like there weren't like I didn't do this for the good of a book or a store or a podcast. <laughs> it wasn't there was no conscious decision on my part. But the setup that happened, you know, during March and April in Utah is what like gave rise to, I would say, a, a shorter, certainly more painful, fraught ride to eastern Kansas when I finished. Um, and hitchhiked back to Michigan for Christmas. 
The Return of Pain. Nostos Algos. The Return of Many Pains. Nosto Algia. Nostalgia. Perhaps the common bond between every adventure story. The 2004 riding season would be in some ways the shortest and in some the longest of Matt's journey on the American Discovery Trail. Kansas took up weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of that riding season. It was like where where everything sort of fell apart. That's next time on Ride of Passage. I'm Laura Weppert Davis. Special thanks to podcast editors Mercedes Mejia and Ronia Kapensag. The Ride of Passage theme is by Bob Scon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>